Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Live Out Loud, the new podcast from Axis Web with me, Lucy Wright. For large numbers of people, this period of lockdown resulting from the COVID-19 crisis has not only meant missing out on time spent with friends and family, it's also separated us from wild places, from being in the natural world. Back when I lived in the city, I would sometimes get this sudden but really powerful longing to go somewhere green. I still get it sometimes. This absolute need to put myself in the way of beauty and to be awed by the majesty of nature. I'm really fortunate to be living in a pretty rural area at the moment and I can't tell you what it's meant to me, to my ability to handle everything that's going on, to be able to take walks in the little woods a few metres from my house. But I know that not everyone is in this position. Just what is it about the natural world that's so integral to our sense of well-being and what can we do to stay connected to the earth, even if we only have access to a window box, a terrace, maybe even just our bathtub? This week we're departing from our usual format for a special takeover episode by Radha Patel and Suzanne Daliwal. Radha is an artist, writer and reviewer whose interests span colonialism, nature, religion and the future and she got in touch with us a few weeks ago to propose a show on radical well-being in conversation with Suzanne, an environmental activist, writer and creative. We loved the idea so much, we asked Rada to make this episode and share it as part of our podcast series. What follows is an evocative and thought-provoking exploration of the links between recovery from COVID and the recovery of the planet, the importance of dreams, of slowing down and helping more, competing less, and how we might re-envisage the good immigrant narrative, which places expectations on immigrant communities to work hard, even when this means risking their health and well-being. Just as a heads up, there are two new terms used in the discussion that were unfamiliar to me before this episode. The first is biophilia, the love of living things, and the second is bionosis, the knowledge that comes from developing a close and loving relationship with nature. So when Suzanne talks about that need to go to the sea, I'm like, finally, I have a word to describe what I've been feeling since about March. This is a beautiful, important episode, interspersed with poetry by Sulachana Manadar and Suzanne herself. Make yourself a cuppa, get cosy, and then get ready to be invigorated as I hand you over to Rada and Suzanne. I remember I was at the concert, but it was a private concert just for me and my uncle and my sister. Um, and it was such a great dream. It was so vivid. But the next day when I was telling people about this dream, um, you know, my mom was like, you know, that didn't really happen. And I was really confused because it was when I started to realize that the line between dream and reality is very blurred for me. And I got a bit of reputation for it as a child that I people would think I was lying or making up stories. But really, it was like, no, I had that dream and they were so vivid um that I would think that they were real um so that was one dream I, I remembered and the other one um was when I was working um at Medicine Sans Frontier after I finished my philosophy degree and when I was working there I was starting to think about climate change and realize what was happening um but you know there's quite a lot of resistance to working on climate change and indigenous rights um yes. And I was going through kind of like, you know, struggling with that at work. And I had this dream about um, a community organizer, um, an indigenous artist, Danny Beacon in Toronto. And in the dream, um, he was kind of walking around where I worked and that area and was kind of showing me a path away from the raft. Wow. And then like a 
forest and things and it was this really you know really struck me this dream and there was this forest mm-hmm. and this dream just really kind of kicked me into gear and I was just like you know you know came home and was like I've had this dream and I'm leaving my job and I'm getting rid of all of my belongings and wow. I got rid of everything and I left my job and went to move back to England because uh, oh, when I lived in Canada um, mm. and it felt like I just knew I needed to follow the dream and eventually when I look back at that dream it was actually uh, now I know it was climate camp and mm. climate camp and all that community um and so I really love that dream because when I'm feeling lost um in the work um I always know that I can you know call on my dreams um and it reminds me um yeah that that's a space that's available to me and you know and also it's still kind of My name is Suzanne Daliwal and I'm a climate justice organiser, founder of uh, UK Tarsans Network and I um, also work as a sort of community organiser and yeah. And my name is Radha, I'm a writer and an artist and I'm super excited to be interviewing and having a conversation with Suzanne for this episode of Live Out Loud, where we're going to be discussing well-being and radical well-being and the future of well-being. Um, when I when I was thinking about these themes, I came up with the title "All the Immigrants Are Sleeping" because I was thinking, well, I was thinking a lot about the idea of being told to. Uh, leave or go back home so to speak and I was having a conversation with a relative about this and they commented on um on I guess what the world what the UK would look like if this happened so if immigrants or children of immigrants actually went back to their quote-unquote countries of origin uh not out of force no um but voluntarily and further into this conversation obviously they the person i was speaking to was commenting on how our labor is used and exploited for personal gain to you know keep the economy running so to speak um but not necessarily respected and i was thinking a lot about this because what i what i thought would be more useful was if we went to sleep, I was thinking a lot about the connection between productivity and sleep. And um, I was thinking about how wonderful it would be if our labor wasn't used or used elsewhere, but conserved solely for ourselves. I was thinking about, you know, what the world, what the UK, what the world would look like in that sense. And within that, um, you know, what would it mean to, to sleep, to heal, to rest, recover? What would it look like if we didn't use our labour to be productive, but just rested? 
and slept and so um yeah with with all of that in mind um the i guess the first question i wanted to ask you is how are you feeling um i know in your um in your emails um you mentioned that you'd been recovering from covid um so yeah i just wanted to know how you're feeling how is your healing process today is like feels like the beginning of a new life a new life chapter um i think for me it started around march 12th um the last time i was in london and i was at an international gathering a climate Mm. and um communications gathering and you know i really couldn't settle when i was there and i'd questioned if i should even go um and people were kind of being quite lax with the social distancing at that time (laughs) and i was you know at that table like all the hand sanitizer um and so for me at that point i was like oh my god how am i going to get home i need to get back on the euro star um and you know it's been kind of a moment of panic you know for us all since then once it's settled into us what's really happening um yeah yeah and you know i remember rushing home and you know generally men don't respect your physical boundaries um, on the euro star especially if you're cute and (laughs) so for me it was really hard at the beginning it was like oh my god it's not safe to be out it's not safe to be on the train because in the past it was annoying men not respecting boundaries was you know annoying and that harassment but now it meant life and death yeah it's Um, dangerous literally and so as soon as I got back on March the 12th um, from London I literally have been in my apartment which is on the top floor across from Central Station in an apartment building and have probably had three walks since then outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been literally sort of suspended um, in the air and trying to physically um, secure safety because I have a shared terrace and there's not much of a lockdown here and people have been trying to get in. I've had to like kick out builders. So, you know, literally having to drag tables and chairs and put pins in locks like medieval. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so today is the first day where I, you know, having had COVID, pretended I don't, you know, being in denial, continuing to work, maybe working harder than I've ever worked mm. <laughs> um, and going through the virus and facing it, which is such a, if anyone's recovery or being touched by it knows it's it really pushes you to that life or death edge um and it's been we're really lucky we're recovering um and that's a slow process and don't and you know i'm facing the reality like do we ever recover and if we do recover what does that mean and Mm. the world is never going back and yeah we're going back my Mm. body will never be the same Night, rich soil of silence, where I sow exquisite dreams. Harvest pleasure, filling the granary. How beautiful night is, a country of infinite dreams. How how do you define well-being? Mm. Um, I was thinking about this and it was making me think of, like, the four elements. Oh. Um, and, like, yeah, like, earth that I my feet can go in the soil that I'm growing my own food 
and then water I have clean water and, and can shower and clean and then fire if that's the sun and the hearth and warmth and family and then air movement and sort of thinking about how all of those have been um, constricted and changed and taken away in this in this time and also trying to think about um, creating them where I am in this state where I can't move borders uh, I can't move out my apartment I can't literally touch mother earth daily she's so painful so how am I recreating that so yesterday we actually planted seedlings on the rooftop um, I physically have barricaded the rooftop so that it's a private space um <laughs> just like having a fort um I'm so glad I watched some medieval drama when this was all happening and it inspired me I was like right get medieval <laughs> um and sort of recreating all of those um recreating them in this condition so with water um you know I'm with the clouds a lot because I'm on the rooftop so I'm being when I'm missing the sea can I watch the clouds can I can I be with them um yeah and so also trying to think about having them now but also you know I'm thinking two and a half years we're going to be in this yeah two and a yeah. half years so right now it feels unimaginable that you know what I would want would be for the summer somewhere to swim somewhere to catch fish that's how I normally spend my summers is swimming mm -hmm. um and that feels so luxurious now but I'm still like oh how no there might be a way that I could still get that and how can I dream into that well-being while at the same time you know appreciating every tree in my neighborhood um mm. every glass of water so it's yeah it's been shifted and humbled obviously by the 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 crisis and also realizing my own um like mobility privilege that I was mm. operating with and now it's yeah so it's definitely been changed and um yeah I'm realizing actually if this hadn't have happened I would want it to be still I was exhausted from like the Brexitus and traveling to the states I was like really like oh my god if I'm gonna do this move I need to be here I need to ground <laughs> and I had this feeling that there would be one day that I would not be able to get back to London and I yeah. just didn't know when it was gonna happen and it was like oh like this um so yes, yeah, so it's been a lot of rethinking and, and being very grateful. Um, and yeah, and once it came out of the COVID, um, again, if I don't know if you ever come out of it, but out of the critical stage and yeah. this recovery stage, just being like, whoa, taking time to journal, to think, to write, because I'll probably take the rest of my life to unpack what happened to me healing from that yeah yeah um so trying to rethink and really leaning into those questions and philosophizing and praying and writing poetry and like I said wanting to be fully changed mm. by what happened I feel like that's the best way that I can heal it and also I've been kind of talking to it like what, oh, what wow. do you want what do you want and I remember one time when I felt it um, coming from in, in my eye and also in my heart being like fuck off excuse me French <laughs> mm -hmm. um, literally being like what do you want and you know I just lost a close friend who was a, a healer the other day to the disease and I was praying for them and I was really like you know just trying to 
be like the more I can heal it in myself the more I can ask it what it wants be changed by it then it will go maybe wondering if it's like a ghost you know when a ghost you're saying like ghost what do you want <laughs> like what are you here to say and then it can leave and just trying to yeah really sort of lean into that healing personally and and collectively to be changed that's that's amazing that's so beautiful um I love what you were saying about like recreating the elements where you are um like so interesting that you talked about water as well because um I've really been missing the sea I I absolutely mm. love the ocean I yeah like, we went together I, yeah yeah we did do you remember that mm-hmm. yeah, I absolutely love the ocean and um I don't live far from the ocean we live about 10 minute drive but we we're not allowed to go we're not really allowed out of our like our districts Mm. really um so they yeah they've been stopping people going to the beach um which I which I totally understand but I've been missing the ocean so much that um I I've dabbled in like a small luxury which is um I I still have to go to work in the morning so um Mm. when I wake up to shower I sometimes get this absolute urge to like fill up the bath so I've been been doing that I've been like scrubbing and then like waking up just that little bit earlier so I can soak in the bath yeah like a mermaid yeah (laughs) yeah and I and like I've and it's like really I felt like it's really um it's really helped like it's really healed like it's really like it's healed that anxiety it's like prepared me for the morning it's like Mm. I've definitely feel connected to the ocean in that way um like through that that's so beautiful I can see um the main canal so there's a main canal that's just right next to central station and there's boats and there's ships that pass there and I can see that from the rooftop Mm -hmm. um that was quite and that's so that's kind of been giving me a hint of it oh, wow. um, enough to go into my imagination um, and also I um, like I really love the sea <laughs> I, mm-hmm. like last like my ideal summer is like night becomes time keeps me company becomes shapeless to give me shape night is my shadow and my reflection a reminder of my true form when night fades in today, where will I see myself? Do you think that people of colour internalise the need to work hard? Uh, definitely. Um, yeah, when I thought about this question, I was thinking a lot about, um, yeah, kind of the, the just the physical fact of survival that, you know, we are... That, creates you know you could call it immigrant complex or just the immigrant reality of having to work harder in white supremacist space yeah um so there's all the outside forces um but I was really thinking about where does it come from yeah the internalized part of it I was thinking about my parents and I think like you know there's there's this sort of they work so hard um and as immigrants we work so hard um and it's, you know, it's also what you were saying about the um, immigrants go home. Um, like, you know, I think people don't realise how many immigrants did go home from Brexit. Like, um, and I think so, like, that idea of labour and, you know, getting through, we just have to work so harder. Like, as a woman of colour, um, even though I'm a director of a climate justice organisation that, you know, is quite well known, you know, as a woman, queer woman of colour, I'm just never seen 
um, mm. in the same leadership power or taken as seriously. And I know that. Um, and so I have to work like 50 times as hard to get like peanuts compared to the funding that's out there, even though I know I'm a leader in what I do. So there's just those like structural injustices that make us have to um, to do the work. But then I think there's also stuff that comes from our parents. Like I know with my mom and dad, like my dad's like a polymath. Um, like he literally was an engineer and was a banger dancer and a pop star and like you know there's always so much going on so I feel there's like we're you know there's so many different parts of our lives of like the diaspora that we keep alive in our home life and that takes work as well um, yeah and then I think also the the need to work hard can turn into like the gifted complex as well and like pushing our kids to be um, extra at school um, and I definitely have you know a lot of that complex both from my dad being like a polymath and like living mm-hmm. up to that um, and being pushed um, as a child but also I think um, yeah like if there's that immigrant go home thing like I'm in the Netherlands right now and I feel that like you know I gotta be a good immigrant so like am I gonna be an activist here or am I gonna like be a good immigrant because I'm economically unstable and how that you know we're pushed into that by neoliberalism um so yeah I think it's 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 such a complex weave of um yeah like again just the physical structure injustices of white supremacy and capitalism but then also some of the things that yeah we put on on each other as well and and I think we've seen that now with you know just the extreme nature of that with you know people being flown back to the UK um to do that labor um yeah it feels more than ever that we're sort of like gone backwards into even you know the probably the economies that our our parents or the the baby boomer generation imagined us us having as well it's kind of not really yeah manifested so I kind of feel like you know when there's all this pressure to self-care and to sleep and you're like okay I'm trying (laughs) but also how how do you exist in neoliberalism um there's an incredible um Um, what does radical well-being look like so in the future um when racism is over what does radical well-being look like what does it as people of color as asian women um as queer women um you know what does it truly mean to take care of ourselves you know what does it look like what are we Mm. doing what are we not doing think um we could be helping each other more mm. and competing less i think um as yeah i think within organizing and i think the way that a lot of work and middle like the aspiration to be middle class mm-hmm. affects, affects us or like to want to have like a slot of chance and be like being the diversity person like how can we like switch more so that we're actually supporting each other more and, and collaborating more and doing work that nourishes us, mm. even as counterintuitive as that feels right now. Um, and yeah, just, I think it comes back to the elements again. For me, it's kind of, I've been thinking so much on a systemic level as a community organizer, you know, radical well-being, being like 
the changing of you know those corporations and accountability I think it's really shifted to now thinking back about the elements and um be having access to land and water and thinking again about my physical survival Hmm. um and again working with that two and a half year um framework yeah because you know now we've sort of you know we can when we think about the future sometimes it's like oh is it 10 years in the future or is it in the next little while and I think you know when when we were around peak oil 2007 around then I really like that's why I had that you know, when I left all my belongings, I literally went to live like on an eco village, um, going back to the land. And I feel that that feeling now that I think I've, you know, sort of been working with organisations and in cities and targeting corporations. And now it feels like really um, that work and that systemic work will continue, but really about getting myself on the land and everything I fight for other communities or people to try and figure out that myself so being able to grow being able to literally walk outside and put my feet in the ground and have privacy to be able to grow my food um that feels like radical well-being at the moment and it feels strange to disconnect it from community Mm. um but I think there's yeah there's this kind of uh, waking up to also we have to physically rethink how you know we have to be thinking about Tesco not being there, like about literally the provisions, how we get our provisions on a daily level in such a different way. And what do like what um what kind of ways do you imagine in that sense? Um well yesterday I took some old Tupperware containers and planted some seeds the full moon. And um right now I can't I can't see it. It's one of those moments where it's beyond my consciousness of how, in a lockdown, Mm. how can I, uh, with, like, no stable money, (laughs) how can I imagine being on the land? So, you know, I've got my my rooftop garden and I'm grateful for that, but I'm really giving it up to to spirit and Mm. to, yeah, it's it's, it's just admitting that I don't know. And, like, I had these plans of... No, even normally now I go to Croatia or I go, I would have been already there by now mm. swimming. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's why I've been turning to art and I've been turning to poetry because I can't actually see at the moment. And um, part of that practice of wanting to slow down, be changed by COVID is to be like, okay, you know, maybe the dreams that we've dreamed for ourselves are going to happen. We just don't know how and when, and we still need to dream, even though um, maybe those things feel a bit more impossible right now. Mm-hmm. So I've been sort of going in my mind, in my imagination to yeah. um, to attend to my biophilia. So like going through old photos and writing and I was doing a meditation with the green of the heart chakra where I was literally going to places that I love and that I've been and um, being able to smell them walk around them um, because I my work so much of my work is about biophilia and biognosis and when I can't understand things for myself because the crises are so big 
or I don't want to, I can't solve the problems with the mindset that created them. And I'm part of that mindset. So being with nature every day and listening to nature, like consulting with the water has been such yeah. a part of my life. So not being able to do that, I had to go inside my soul <laughs> yeah and, and do that and you know it, luckily it was spring and then the trees came and you know doing learning that to do that but it became so amazing and so vivid and I even I asked my partner to go to a space that we'd both been to and sort of just working with like creating these landscapes and the sensory healing um of those places from the meditation because that's how I was trained in herbalism too was wow. um, once I, my teaching was around raspberry and we spent like two weeks in the raspberry bush in the forest <laughs> <laughs> literally every day you, you know you visit and you like an ancestor and eventually you ask permission and, and then we would draw the herbs and even just think about them and then mm. to, to know that even if you just think with raspberry you can heal with raspberry mm. um so really been digging into those um teachings at this time when um I wasn't you know I was too scared to go to the park until a few days ago is my first park visit the, the other pitch the other time you know I put out the rubbish like after about three months <laughs> um and you know went around the corner and saw a community garden yeah. I was there for 10 minutes and that really was so healing to know just to feel the land to see something grow because you know spring is so it's so precious and it like to think oh my god I'm gonna miss a spring in nature um yeah it's been yeah. what can you explain what biophilia is the mm-hmm. so biophilia is um the love of nature so when <gasps> oh you I didn't up, know that yeah well, so when you're like oh my god I gotta see the sea and it's like all you can think about and you know all you want to do it's like that that urge um and so biophilia is like yeah that that instinct that knowing that relationship in us and then bionosis is the knowledge that comes through being in that loving relationship with nature so all the way bionosis Mm -hmm. oh i've never heard of that that's amazing i love that word (gasps) biophilia bionosis that's so so gorgeous night is lonely in this quiet i am lonely too our silent conversation washes the dirt from our hearts night is moving towards the light and i too am brightening it's super interesting that you talked and you talked earlier as well about like talking to the virus, talking to Mother Earth, um, because I often think that that's the thing that is missing the most is uh, especially I don't know if you're more of an expert, but sometimes climate activism can feel a lot like saviorship, like we have to save the Earth. And it's like, well, actually, we have to save ourselves first, you know, like we have to like you know, we're in need of like an internal saving, you know, Mm. that's a really big part, but also like no one's ever asked the earth, like what it needs, like in that moment where, you know, in this moment where we can see all of this damage and this destruction, no one is like talking to the earth, like, or we don't really see that as um, 
like in the mainstream, like people actually talking to the earth and asking, like, you know, what do you need from us? We're just assuming that like, oh, trees need to be planted. So we'll just start massive campaigns about planting trees without thinking about the fact that like you can't just plant any old trees. Um, you know, like we don't want an oversexed ecosystem, so you can't plant too many uh, like male trees or female trees. So, you, you know, that kind of thing or, you know, um, yeah, there's just so there's just so many like I just sometimes find that we miss that and, and it ends up becoming like a lot of save it like it becomes like saviorship. Like yeah. I'm going to I'm going to save the planet and, uh, you know, but like actually we we have to save ourselves and we also like if in order to help someone you have to ask them what they need first you know we're just assuming um yeah i yeah that that just like made me think of that yeah because um, yeah, i think that's such a part of um you know covid's really be revealed that um savior complex that's been happening and yeah. happens in our movements um and I think, yeah, definitely it's about sort of um, instead moving towards mutual care and solidarity and asking mm. and consultation. And for me, you know, I'm so glad you asked, you, you brought this up because as a climate activist, um, I have to act so, um, like, I don't know how to even describe it, like straight-laced. When I'm in the public, I need to, because I do so much campaigning around climate change and corporations, I have to act scientific and know all my those parts of it. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the parts of the work I often don't get asked about or talked about, which is like spirituality. And in terms of consultation with nature, like yeah. I couldn't have done anything I've done in the last 12 years without asking the water. How could any of us know how to um, undo or confront or be with the biggest crisis that we've ever had? And you know, when the work gets too much for me or I can't cope or literally it's outside of my cognitive capacity, <laughs> I literally go sit with water and wait for the dream and ask for the dreams. And that's so much about the way that I've been trained as a climate organiser um, mm. by the Indigenous Environmental Network and different mentors, you know, even if I was going into Challenge Shell and had a suit on and was talking about dividends, that morning we've smudged the banner we've consulted the elders we've um you know braided hair like all of those ceremonies um yeah. that are part of the work that we know is what's yeah. really driving it and mm -hmm. why we have superpowers or magic yeah. in it <laughs> yeah yeah and no one believes in that I think there's a lot of this um there's a lot of belittling of that kind of of that kind of element of like spiritual elements or of like spiritual sciences like there's so much belittle or ceremony there's so much belittling of that because it's this kind of like wishy-washy doesn't get the job done kind of thing but I think that's what's also missing from like the core of active you know white mainstream activism it's like you know it's like there's only so far that like certain groups or certain people or individuals are going to get because they just don't have like that spiritual connection to fall back on i want, want to dream, dream a new dream. dream um we talked about the dream like dreams that you remembered the most um so i i wanted to ask you and i also wanted to ask anyone that's listening um um this question so in the future uh, all the immigrants are sleeping what are you dreaming about 
I'd have to be the sea. Um, yeah, like swimming in the sea and that like, you know, that connects to what you're saying about well-being. Like that ideal day when you just have like a perfect swim and a walk and like a fish has been caught like near you. I'm probably dreaming about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's so beautiful. kind mm-hmm. of what I was talking about about you know sort of trying to continue to harvest I guess the learnings and the healings and process a lot of the grief around what's happening so I wrote this night and it's called um and it came after doing Sanskrit prayer for oh, my wow. I normally pray for about you know about an hour of chanting and then this time I felt a dance come, and the poem came in the dance. <clears throat> On the full moon we sow. In the sanctuary of dance and song, creator showed me. Though our temples are closed, I will come to you in the sweetness of Amrita Bella. In songs and dances, I will fall from the sky as we praise life in the chorus. On the full moon we are praying for all our loved ones who have passed and are in fear. On the night of the full moon, we will sow the seeds. When the seedlings and flowers come, we will remember all our lost ones' names. The weeks pass. As we take in the ambrosia and perfume of her flowers, our beautiful gardens will fill us with remembrance. As the trees grow tall, we will feel the strength restore. Though we cannot meet in praise across the ether, in meditations on the name, we are all one truth, our one home, one light, one love. On the full moon, we will sow our seeds. With peace and light, may they rise. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Live Out Loud. Um, we would absolutely love to hear any thoughts or comments, anything that you have to say about well-being, radical well-being, reimagining what this could be. If you're an immigrant or the child of immigrants, I would also love to hear um, your responses to the last question and know more about what you're dreaming in the future. Um, Thanks so much to Access Web and Lucy Wright um, for commissioning this podcast and giving Suzanne and I the space to talk about such, um, such important things. Thanks so much to Rada and Suzanne. If you'd like to find out more about either contributor's work, there are links on our Live Out Loud page on the Access website at www.accessweb.org. Do also join the conversation using the hashtag LiveOutLoud on any of Access Web's social media platforms. Tell us about your favourite wild places, your strategies for keeping connected to nature, and how you're thinking about radical well-being during this moment of pause and reset. 
If you'd like to read full versions of the poems excerpted throughout the show, these are taken from Sulachana Manadar's pamphlet, Night, available from Tilted Axis Press, and the final poem was by Suzanne herself, titled Under the Full Moon We Sew. Next week's episode will continue our focus on care, looking at the experience of parenthood, particularly motherhood, and artistic practice. We have three incredible guests, Robin Leroy Evans, Laura McLaughlin, and Emily Speed. If anyone is listening to this while trying to juggle paid work, artistic practice, homeschooling, and any number of other responsibilities, caring or otherwise, this episode is unmissable. Hope to see you then. Bye.